You starting or what? <laughs> <laughs> that was professional, guys. Never mind. Never mind. I live the life I left behind. I live it full. I live it wide. We've made it. This is episode eight of season two of True Detective. We finally made it through this ridiculous season. Uh, we're at the Omega Station, as it were. I am uh, Special Agent Brian Hamilton, and joining me from across the country, uh, right here in this evidence locker that exists in our minds, is uh, Desk Sergeant Phil Moselak. How's it going? Doing well. Feeling good. Feeling good. You're uh, up for this home stretch, this uh, last little bit of uh, uh, evidence pickery? Very much so. And we've also got with us a uh, very special agent, Don Melton, who's been joining us the past few weeks. How's it going? Bitching. Absolutely. Mm. Wouldn't have had it any other way. So this is episode eight. Uh, we've, we've, we've done it. We've been talking about this. We've been anticipating this because HBO only does eight, eight episodes of this show. So uh, we've been looking forward to this episode, seeing what they would do after seeing especially the past seven episodes and – We've got it. We're done. We don't have any more speculation to do. We have literally every single bit of information about season two we'll ever have. Yeah, that's that's a little strange. Well, except for the except for the Blu-ray commentary. Yeah, but oh, I can't imagine any extra information they would give. Well, hopefully a justification for it all. (laughs) (laughs) That's really all I'm looking for. Really, is justification because I. I guess a quick opening statement for me. I've talked about this a bit um, in the past episodes, but I honestly don't believe – this episode was good. I think this episode was well shot, not well written, but none of this has. I do believe that um, none of the really cool imagery and stuff that we got this episode was warranted, especially because um, you know the, the writing has been so weird and the characters' motivations really haven't been painted that well. And we've gotten some very, very great uh, sequences and shots and um, – ideas this episode but i don't believe that it was particularly justified if that makes sense simply because the rest of the season hasn't really ramped up to this point appropriately well do you think the uh the 90 minutes was justified oh god no <laughs> i i was and because this was a 90 minute episode i was looking for places where i could have shaved a minute or two off and i found at least 10 or 12 it was ridiculous yeah, I th- I think that uh, a little better restructuring. They wouldn't have to de- uh, do 90 minutes. But I think the problem with the season and the writing and the way this has gone around and just confused the shit out of people, us included, and if it hadn't been for that article on, what was it, Slate last week? Oh, yeah. I would have, and I sent that to my wife, I we would have never been able to watch the uh, uh, the last episode because we didn't keep it in our heads. So I think the, the problem for the season is, and a, a macro sense is the same problem with the last episode. It's too long. I mean, this is really a four or five episode season. Uh, that's all the, the story uh, warranted, I think. So, well, Phil, do you remember you and me were complaining in the first few episodes about how they really had to pack in a bunch of stuff? It felt like it moved too fast, and here we are complaining that it was too long. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of – I felt like the first part of this episode did a lot of – not exposition necessarily, but solving pieces very, very quickly. Like, for example, we have Ani and Ray in the confessional. Um, both telling 
each other exactly what they think happened in their life. Like Ani says, hey, look, uh, I really didn't, I wasn't abducted. I, 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 I kind of trained myself to think some other way. And then Ray, you know, confesses that, you know, basically he killed the wrong guy. Um, and I thought that was, that was, I guess, good, but I, I wasn't expecting that to be just, you know, out of the gate, something to happen. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely agree. I feel like, um, well, their overwhelming emotion there in this sequence was shame. And they were talking about the stuff that made them feel bad in their lives. And I feel like I predicted, I really hope at least I predicted that the episode would end the way that it does at some point in this show's run where um, everything just goes to shit and nobody wins at all, anything. And I feel like that... uh, It would go with the theme of this season. Exactly, exactly. And the shame that they feel in how their lives really didn't pan out the way they wanted really is echoed at the end of this episode when literally nobody gets what they wanted. Well, you know what? That's a good good, good ideal right there, which is no one got what they wanted or you know, their lives weren't the way they thought they would be. But it's all I, because they lied to it themselves about who they what? were. Well, Tony, Tony Ch- no, 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 no. I mean, come on. Tony Chisani uh, got everything he wanted. He's the okay. he's the mayor of <laughs> Vinci. He's got all the damn money from the pipeline. Uh, the uh, the current attorney general is obviously uh, governor now with his cutting of the uh, uh, you know. So I, I think a lot of people got what they wanted. Well, and this, but see, and there you go. But, it's it's the the it didn't go the way a normal. Okay, if we take last season, we had a certifiable bad guy. That they were trying to get. And here we find this, it's almost kind of a flip axis of, well, all the people that are supposed to be good are really bad and there's no overcoming that. They are, you know, the bad guys win in the end. And the bad guys are the people that are, um, you know, the people who, you're right, they are supposed to be the good guys. They're supposed to be the mayors, the people, uh, the police people trying to keep the order in the city. And they're doing a horrible job at that for their own gain. And last season didn't have so much of, say, gain, maybe in the sense of the um, the governor and the, uh, the whole weird cult there. They did things for their own quote-unquote gain, but it wasn't anything along the lines of political money-scamming, money-grubbing people like this season was. It was much more, um, like, idealistically, these were the bad people that ended up winning over the good people, unlike last season. And that would be okay if the characters were different in my mind. Yeah, well... You know, the 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 whole. You know, I heard somebody online call it uh, the theme of the season was cheap, cynical nihilism, and you know that's kind of being nice. Uh, <laughs> but let's look at the pointlessness of you know some of the characters. By the end. Do you really feel for uh, Frank? Do you really feel for Ray when they – I don't feel for him. I'm embarrassed for them. God, you know, I'm thinking what pathetic lives. Well, I did feel for <laughs> Ray. I mean, I'm sorry, not Ray, Frank. I really actually liked the fact that he realized that being a straight businessman was not for him. The thing that he needed to do was be a gangster and wake up 
and 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 say this is who I am and I am at my best when I am doing this type of stuff. And, and there I, you go. That's more shame in terms of the way he feels about his uh, line of work. Yeah. Yeah, and I I, I think it's uh, this whole I- idea of just being regressive about everything uh, and ashamed of it. No wonder the evil people won. There were, uh, the heroes weren't heroes. They and, and they weren't even really assholes. They were inept. <laughs> I, I mean. Well, and what is, uh, what you know, is just what it, when you think they're pulling something off? I mean, Ray, after they've taped uh, this confession from the sister, mm-hmm. uh, who I was really looking forward to finding out who was the evil person behind it all. But, you know, her brother, who, who got even fewer lines in episode three, and you don't know and don't understand the motivations of. Until he shows up in a evil hoodie here in the eighth episode, uh, y- you know, it's like crap. What was you know, what was the point of that? And so that's exactly how I feel uh, too. I was I was disappointed in that. Now, uh, episode eight of the first season had a, I think, a real letdown in it that we find out that, well, damn it, True Detective isn't the X-Files, you know, it isn't something, <laughs> there isn't something really complicated here. It's just this guy who likes to mow lawns with really bad acne is, you know, a psychotic. And if it wasn't for some reasonably good dialogue and just point on acting by uh, two people, uh, you know, that could have been a B season too. But this one, this one started B and it finished B. I mean, it's just not. I don't like these people. I didn't even like Bezaritas. Yeah. You know. Uh, Me neither. And I think that's and the so- problem. Is at the start, you you don't have anybody. You ne- there's never an emotional investment in any of these characters until really episode six, seven, eight. You maybe start liking Paul because Paul's a great shot and he's good on his feet. But you really, but do you really like him? Well, I really don't know him, and you know. But nobody, nobody in the story connects, and that's why if I look at it like if I try to pull back, uh, you know, an atmosphere or two, and try to say, well, wait a minute, if I was watching this now for the first time, binging it straight through. Would I have a different reaction? Honestly, I don't know what I don't know if I would, but I can tell you that, you know, it. I was hooked on season one in two, at least one to two episodes. I at least had a connection with a character, and if I don't have that, then it's not really a story, and that's not compelling. Oh, I think uh, I, I think Woody Harrelson's uh, monologue in front of the camera in season one, which is you know right after the credits starts out, I'm hooked right there. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you know who the hell he's talking. I didn't know he was talking about Matthew McConaughey's character, uh, Rust Cole. I didn't realize that's uh, who that was, and you know that hooked me there. That was character and dialogue and no real plot. But I bought into it long enough. I was disappointed in the plot 
uh, and they're wrapping things up by the end. But in this one, this season, anybody that gets, you know, it's this, it's this, uh, again, it's this nihilism. It's the, you know, as soon as someone gets to learning something or having a, a point to their lives or making a difference, uh, Pizzolatto kills them off. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, what the hell? Uh, I mean, you're, you're really, you know, trying for an anti story here. I was talking to a friend of mine. Um, uh, I believe is in, uh, uh, what is he in? I think maybe Germany or something like that. He's watching the show, and uh, what do he uh, say? Uh, uh, pop, 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 pop. Uh, his whole idea is uh, that if you think of it as tongue-in-cheek pastiche and possibly as a parody of detective shows, then maybe it works. <laughs> so I always imagine the first season of True Detective as almost like the gritty Batman Begins reboot of detective stories. And... In in defense of the last episode and the beginning where we learned that the psycho uh, killer in the first season isn't necessarily the most psychotic, I feel like it was trying to keep it down to earth in that this is just a guy who likes to kill people and he's creepy and that's enough if we shoot it right and write it right. Uh, this season, I feel like uh, the ending, you're right, it could have been some kind of anti-story. I've spent entire movies with characters only to see them die in the end and I felt something. I got the point of the movie, I felt like, and I didn't get that with this i don't feel like in either sense like we're supposed to feel sorry for these characters or we're supposed to feel the weight of their world on our shoulders as they die and we're supposed to feel that emotion i don't get that yeah that was the problem when when frank died when ray died i didn't feel anything it it didn't really matter yeah <laughs> yeah you thought you were going to be the the negative one this week but i was <laughs> i was really disappointed in this so uh because the previous two episodes i thought okay it's starting to click you know i don't i don't need them to go out in the end a la uh you know uh, George Corny asked Lucas at the end of Star Wars and go up and get awards strapped around their necks and you know, stand <laughs> for applause. I don't want that, but I, you know, it's like our lives are meaningless and I'll just, I'll just lay down and die here. Uh, and it's like, well, that was, you know, I mean, it's fine for people who their idea of a good time is to, is to go out with friends and have their heads backed over by a truck. I, I mean, if you're into that kind of thing, that's that's the kind of you know the impression you get. But then I talked to some neighbors, you know, my neighbor ex cop, uh, my ex cop neighbor. Uh, <clears throat> thank God he's not still a cop, uh, considering some of the things I do. Uh, and some folks online, and they they liked it. They thought it was they thought it was a. Uh, they they enjoyed the season and uh, you know they liked the last episode, and I thought, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, it was you, just know, bleak. you know, here's the thing. Here's, here's the, the thing. thing. I, I you know, uh, I was talking to my wife. She she watched this slightly out of sync with me. You know, she was like uh, sort of uh, forty five minutes behind me watching it last night. So we we had to watch it separately because of the dog, and. Uh, she, she was, was like, like well, well yep, yep 
That's, That's that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm recording this Let's... in New Jersey right now. Um, I came home to visit some family. So I watched this last episode with my mom, who's been watching this entire season with me, and my dad and my brother, who have never seen an episode of either season in their life. So they, I felt like we were all on the same page, first of all, in terms of knowing who people were. People who have watched the entire season and people who have never seen any episode before, we were all on the same page. And second... Um, I was the only person that didn't like it. Uh, this was a feature-length episode. It was 90 freaking minutes, and I still feel like there was less than any one single um, you know, film. And I feel like this entire season has less character development or attachment to the characters at the very least than any single feature-length film. I'm starting to imagine now what if um, this entire season were rewritten into a two-hour-long movie. Uh, with the same beats, the same arcs, the same maybe even ending, I'm wondering what it would be like because uh, apparently what the law shows now, they're shooting them like movies. They're shooting them all at once and then in post chopping them up into uh, eight, nine, ten episodes and not you know, um, shooting them once a week like old sitcoms and things like that. So I'm imagining what would happen if this mentality of we're filming a movie has same writers in the same mentality of we're filming a movie right now. Well, maybe if they'd done this as a movie and you know done it as a two and a half or three hour film, it could have been engrossing. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, when I was talking about my friend in Germany, I misspoke. He's uh, in uh, the Netherlands. Um, I don't want to offend him if he listens to this. Um, sorry, Martin. <laughs> uh, and uh, I don't know why I had that brain fart. Uh, so, um, you know, with your family and they enjoy it, you know, and that's just fine. And apparently, you know, I looked at the ratings for the show. It's not as good as last year at its peak, but everybody's watching it. So um, I think that there were you could take segments of this 90 minutes and there are really cool pieces like, for example, when Ray and Frank do the um the raid on otep i think that was pretty slick um right but it but it was much less than i was imagining last week with the laundry list that repeated unfortunately the laundry list of equipment i I mean i thought they're gonna have to kill like 50 people and this was gonna be a half an hour of the show and it's like it's over by the middle of the episode yeah, it was a little that was a, they gave a little bit too much into it. Like that list did make me real excited and it really ends up being some 203 shells and a lot of bullets. No, like yeah. we said, it it's not warranted by the rest of the stuff that uh the show has put out there. Yeah, and it, it just seemed like these guys were stupid enough to have those fewer guards around them when they're when they're moving like what was it, 7 million dollars or something like that around? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jesus, and there were a lot of deaths that I still don't. It was told to me how they died, but there are two. Chisani, I still. It was his son that killed him. I, I, I'm, I'm still a little misty on. And yeah, Doctor Doctor Springfield is laying there with his uh, wrist spl- uh, slashed open. Did he kill himself? And no, the, no, they they had him killed to make it look like suicide. Same uh, same thing with Mayor Chisani. They had him killed and made it look like suicide. And, and who's they? I assume it's Tony Chisani. It's uh, 
uh, the lieutenant. You know, it's in that whole that group makes sense, there. Yeah. Okay. All right. I. It's you know it's the heroes because you know the heroes won there at the end of the. The episode, the season, and the thing is, you know, Ani sure she goes and finally talks to uh, a reporter, but she's got shit in terms of proof. I mean, this is going to be, you know, like uh, Area 51 rumors and stuff. I mean, it's like... They kept talking about how they're going to go to CNN with this and say, this is the breaking story of uh, whatever, the century, the year, and all of that. And they were trying to expose everyone and go to the media instead of the cops. And I don't know if that was some kind of statement on the fact that everyone's just taken to social media nowadays for everything, or if... uh, uh, I don't know that that matters more than any sort of actual legal record or anything like that. But in my eyes, it felt like, again, it wasn't justified. Even when it was dramatized and serialized in this way that we get this over the course of eight episodes, it still wouldn't feel like something that I would pay attention to in the actual media. If this story came on CNN, I would not give a crap. <laughs> and it was only after watching it twice <clears throat> that I realized that Ani had a baby. And it was Ray's baby. Wait, what? Oh. Oh, my okay, God. Well. Okay, yeah, see? Was... Now, okay. I, yeah, again. Oh, he's uh, fucking with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not even joking. <laughs> I had to watch. I watched it twice and then I actually read an article. And I was like, in between the two, I was like, holy smokes. I didn't. I thought that it was Frank's baby. And for whatever reason, don't ask me why. She was putting Frank's baby next to her. But it was her baby because she says, "Do you know, I'm doing it for Ray's sons. Yeah, but it, it can't be Frank's baby, baby because his wife was barren. That, exactly. exactly. But I thought maybe, that, right. you know, we had these things of, we had the, the Mary thing is, is sitting the, around. The dead and, giveaway is when Ani says to the reporter, and I want to do this for Ray's sons. Yeah, but it didn't, uh, it didn't come up clear the first time. It didn't, didn't click? click? Oh, okay. okay. Me neither. Well, yeah, that shows I, you that shows you the classy storytelling going on there. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to think that they I don't know, they're trying to put the spin on one single line. And there are moments when that one line works really well when you get like a single little detail that's revealed in one line with one word or something like that and it's really powerful and really weighs on your shoulders like oh my god that's a twist this like more detective work in that way sons what does that mean because he had one son but oh okay not the jaw-dropping oh my god moment that i'm sure they were going for yeah Yeah. so and you know again the pointlessness of it all just yeah i think that's the real hard part to take is like you know, when you tell a story and a narrative, whatever it might be, I think you're you're trying to give the viewer, your audience, something to take with you. You know, if it's a documentary, um, it's a call to action. If it's a narrative, it's like this is a you know um, a, a tale of this and things you shouldn't do, and and it's like so. What you're telling me is, uh, don't trust anyone, and everyone's out to get me. And the people that I should trust, I shouldn't. Which, I mean, I can get behind, but that really is friggin' bleak. Well, yeah, yeah it, it, and it's, it's bleak, bleak on top of bleak. Uh, with, with people, people that, that you don't, don't really, really like. like. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, now, the first season was pretty bleak. I mean, especially to 
listen to Russ's uh, uh, dialogue uh, talk about nihilism. Um, but in the end, it's the it's the journey he makes. You know, I I think I think they're winning. You know, it's this, I think the light is winning. Yeah, the entire motif of that season was light versus darkness. The freaking slogan was, what was it, touch darkness and darkness touches you back? And it's these two detectives' descent into darkness. And in this season, it seems like it's these four detectives, like, drowning in a sea of darkness or sorrow or regret or whatever. And, and three of them are dead by the time it's over. <laughs> and the hey. other one is AWOL in Mexico and not having any no. direction that we get to see ever again because the season's over. Well, And, then, uh, and Ray's, Ray's audio tape never even gets to his son. I mean, it's like, like how bad can you get, like beat this guy down? He gets to well, salute. That's what I mean. He's pathetic. Yeah, I, it's 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 so sad in that way. It's just like, okay, so he's dead, and his son never gets to hear that. Great. But pathetic to what ends, Don? I mean, we've talked about why this season hasn't landed, and it's all about the fact that there's really no uh, like point to how bleak all of this is. Well, yeah, yeah that, 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 you know, pointlessness. That's the whole pointlessness, pointlessness of it. <laughs> Uh, I, I think if you, you can just go with that too far. And I think <laughs> Pizzolatto has, you know, done his master's thesis on, on that here. Thank, Thank you very, very much. much. Please, Please don't, don't publish, publish that, that paper, paper again. again. Uh, and I'm going to look forward to them all learning from this second season. Hopefully the third season will be better. Well, I'm wondering who's going to learn first, Pizzolatto, to write better scripts and make sure that we're actually enjoying the show, or HBO to not give him any more money. No, I think with the ratings he's getting, they'll, they'll give him more money for a third season. Uh, that's certainly. But uh, I think Pizzolatto has a little bit too much of the auteur in him, which is one of the reasons he, you know, he left some of the shows that he was on was it was issues about control. So. Which is, uh, the thing is, is though, you can only get away with that so long if you're doing really, really good stuff. And, and this, is not, this is not to the level of his first effort. And you have an avant-garde film, like, say, and, you know, or an art house film. And, you've, and, you know, there are sometimes those films, like, you can sit there and you're like, you know what? I just don't get it. I, I've, I've, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. And all these people are saying this and saying that, good, bad, and different. And I feel like I've watched it for, you know, 10 hours, and I just don't feel better or worse out of coming out of it because it just didn't it didn't strike me the way when I watch something like that, that I'm supposed to get something connected to me. Right. You know, I don't need the, uh, you know, the Disney old yeller moment in these things. Uh, but I, I'd like to get something like, um, uh, from some of the good, uh, detective fiction, uh, that I like that I've read. I'd like to get that, uh, that, uh, uh, I mean, if, if any of you guys ever read the big sleep, never read it. I'm sorry. What? I've never read it. Only seen it. Yeah. Well, the, the film with, uh, Humphrey Bogart is uh, is quite good, but it's not the book. And the book is, yeah, um, the book is. Uh, well, they couldn't they couldn't film the book back then because it was uh, it was way too 
uh, risque and uh, the turn that makes the plot, uh, you know, that Raymond Chandler wrote, they really, really couldn't do it in the film back in the forties. So uh, to me, that's the, you know, that's the classic hard boiled detective uh, novel. And, and all of his, uh, his novels were really like that kind of thing. And in many cases, they were these long character studies, like what Pizzolatto does, but there is a, you know, there's a point you feel, um, you know, whether it's uh, The Big Sleep, Farewell, My uh, Lovely, The High Window, you know, The Lady in the Lake, you know, you get it in the end. There's a point to all this stuff. Uh, and I like that. It, it doesn't mean that, you know, the bad guys get their just desserts. In fact, uh, in some ways, it's exactly the opposite in the big sleep. But that's the right way. That's the right way to pull it off. Right. And you and you brought up one. Of, I, I sent you my my little gif uh, online. <laughs> and that, that's right. There was this scene when Ray is making a decision. He's on his way out of town to to get out to get out of the country, and it brings up and, and invoked the movie Heat. When, you know, Robert De Niro's character has a chance to get out clean and instead he makes the turn off the road to seek revenge because he's got a little bit more time. And well, I thought it was funny that it was also Laurel Canyon Road, which is a prominent landmark in The Big Sleep. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> ah, look at that. Everybody's ripping off Chandler. <laughs> Everybody rips off Chandler. But see, but. And and the only reason that invoked any emotion in me is because of that scene in Heat when that's when I start yelling at the TV and telling and telling uh, Neil McCauley to not make the turn because I want him to live and I want him to go off and 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 seek his life and it's that moment that everything changes and I, and I lose control because I'm the bad guy you know loses and I want him to win. And in this case, like, do I, I, I really wanted Ray to at least have something. And instead, he breaks off and then finds the transponder under his car. And that starts the whole uh, cascade effect for him. Yep. It's like that moment in season one when, because uh, you're right, these really great moments, even in horror movies, when you're yelling at somebody not to go in the freaking haunted house, you idiot. Like, those really great moments that get the audience involved and really get you riled up are because characters are flawed and they don't have the context that we, the audience, have. So, like in season one, when Woody Harrelson comes out infuriated, shoots the guy in the head in what season, or episode four or five, and that is a big character flaw so that changes everything. Thank you. Thank you. Episode five. Um, but yeah, that's a major character flaw that results in huge ramifications the rest of the season. And just like this, it's maybe only 20 minutes, but it's the same kind of thing where his big character flaw is that he's too attached to his son. Uh, that is one thing I like this episode about. I'm really glad that that arc came back and he didn't just abandon it for I'm not a cop anymore. And he was able to visit his son again. And that was his major downfall because that led to the transponder and everything else that uh, happened throughout the rest that that was uh one of the few good dramatic arcs but of course when he does it i think what a dumbass um and you know that's and then you know i knew they were going to kill him 
uh, so the then the question came, uh, like, who else are they going to kill? Um, uh, I figured they were probably going to kill Frank, but I figured it would be more interesting or uh, than that, because that really made Frank out to be, you know, to be small and completely invalidated his his whole life. Even the things that he learned, and it's like, well, no, it's it's annoying. Whether it's interesting or not, it's annoying. It's like, the hell did you do that for? Why did you involve me with this character for eight episodes just to do that to them? You're trying to tell me what? Oh, life is pointless. Thanks. Well, and the other you thing know, is, like, let's talk about Frank's death like, for why, a second. Why don't you just come over and shoot my fucking pony? Well, I I mean, you're right. And the thing is, when Frank is going to be killed, I find it unfair that it becomes this completely random assailant who we've only seen twice. Yes. And and it's like, wait a minute now. So you're telling me, like, it's not even like like Osep's guys or somebody bigger. It's instead these guys that he kind of dealt with um in a very minuscule kind of way and they're just going to stab him yeah over something stupid yep Mm -hmm. and 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 pointless so pointless and (laughs) you're right i do want to talk about frank's death for a second in that it's a simple stabbing by people we barely know and then it drags on for however long, 10 more minutes where he's walking you through the desert and what hallucinating about people in his life and how he got to this point. And if this were any other show, you've never seen. mm -hmm, Yes. His dad, you've never seen a bunch of people from, uh, I don't know, other clubs or something or other. There was that one other weird sequence, but if this were any other show, that would have been a great moment to see, all the people in his life that led him to this one singular moment. Like Breaking Bad did that many times in its last season to great effect because we cared about people after five years of watching uh, Walt screw people over. And here we get that same kind of payoff, but in a way that does not work whatsoever. I thought that, no, just no. (laughs) I almost wanted it to happen, like pull a Gandhi in it and bring all these th- these things at the end let's put them in the beginning if you really want want to just flip things around show us exactly what's going to happen at the end at the beginning and then show me the story of how they got so, there so you uh well when you're when you're telling somewhere something where everybody does know the end i mean that's really the only way you can you can know that i mean uh, gandhi came out in what the late 80s the film i think so 80s? yeah uh, in the 80s. And, you know, by that time, everybody knows Mahatma Gandhi is dead, right? So uh, starting with that is not uh, is not a, a bad thing. When you start like that, you you can basically put, you can put the weight, because you have the reporter talking, uh, it's one of the greatest little soliloquies uh, ever in the beginning, talking about, you know, he held no office, blah, 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 and, and yet, you know, all these people there. And then you cut to uh, Ben Kingsley in the bad toupee uh, with the the young guy makeup on the train, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you start you start the story from the beginning, um, and 
then you're also able to slide around a little bit here and there uh, with the biography bit with uh, Candace Bergen. And so that was brilliant storytelling, but you can get away with that kind of shit with biography, with something where everybody knows it. When you don't know it, it's a lot harder to do it. I've seen it done, but it's really hard to, uh, to give away the whole story. What you have to do is you have to head bake people Tell them the uh, show them the end, but you don't really show them the end. Yeah, right, right. My favorite example of that that just came to mind as you were talking is Citizen Kane, where we know that Charles Foster Kane is dead, and um, exactly, yeah. And the purpose of the story, the reason why we're delving into his life, even though we know he's dead, is to find out what Rosebud is, and that is the crux of the movie. So that makes it interesting. That's a different angle. On... Talk, talk, talk about nihilism, you know, the pointlessness of all that. In the end, also, it's like the uh, the Indiana Jones, uh, uh, you know, Raiders of the Law, uh, Lost Ark, you know, they toss it in the fire, you know, and nobody ever knows except you, the audience. Uh, nobody ever sees the sled. Yeah, that works yeah. in that there's all these little well, moments. Well, you didn't that... have to invest, you know, Eight and a half fucking hours to you know <laughs> to do Although that. Although I would not mind if Indiana Jones was an eight and a half hours long movie. Oh well, I I, I was I was talking about uh, uh, Rosebud there. I was talking about Citizen Kane. So, well, here we are. We're at the very end, and now at least we know everything that's happened. All that's going to happen sends the Blu-ray commentary, which I don't know about you. I'm not even going to bother with. Um, and what I want to do now is I want to ask you guys uh, take a step back a second and look at the season as a whole without any speculation whatsoever, because there's no next episode to think about. What the hell was that? Why was this thing? put into production, financed? How the hell did somebody read the script and say that this is a worthwhile storytelling with a bunch of great characters, or not great characters in this case, that is worth people's attention for eight and a half hours? Uh, it's just the, it, it's simply the, uh, the success of the first season. That's what bankrolled it. That's what got all the actors. I mean, I was listening to an interview with uh, Taylor Kitsch, who is like basically begging Pizzolatto to be on the show, you know. He was trying to get uh on the show because he he liked the first season so much. And uh you know, the actors trusted him and they they trusted the directors they had and like I said, uh, the other thing in in this sense it's a look at the ratings numbers for this. Uh it's still very very successful for HBO. I feel like and, and he was sure trying back something. for a third season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, that's without a doubt. And I'll watch the third season, you know, no problem. Um, oh, definitely. I just, I think yeah. there was, I, I really honestly believe that, that sometimes you do things and you think that what you're doing is so, you know, cutting edge that, <clears throat> and this is what I was fearing is that like, except no one got it. You know, I just feel like, yeah, you did it, but it just doesn't really. And maybe we'll come back to this five years later and then we'll understand the, the genius of it. I don't know. I, 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 I can't seem to, to get there. Um, well, a lot of really good people have their, uh, <clears throat> their crazy auteur 
moment. Uh, I mean, you know, for some people, uh, Joss Whedon fans, they thought that was like maybe Dollhouse, right? Sure. Went a little, sure. Yeah, a little bit over the top. Uh, I don't think so. I, I think it was actually better than that, but uh, I, I can see uh, the point there. But this is clearly uh, Pizzolatto's, you know, he gets everything he wants, and, you know, it's a nice, shiny turd. It, it was polished polished by a lot of really talented people. And uh, But in comparison, like, you know, you were saying, uh, Brian, you watch it with your family, and they, they liked it. They thought it was stylish. They thought it was dark. They thought it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, it was stylish for sure. And I've talked a lot about on this podcast about how um, – no, this was all very stylish. I really liked the shootout last episode. I liked the shootouts this episode and the way that uh, Frank died. It looked good. It made no sense, but it looked good. Uh, you know, the entire show just looks really good. And there are moments where auteurs can get so far up their own ass after getting everything they've well, wanted in previous movies. Well, yeah. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, for me, I so film student here hi how's it going uh i love wes anderson <laughs> and i feel like he is the most auteur of all auteurs in this day and age uh christopher nolan being maybe the other one but he makes commercially successful anyway uh well wes yeah anderson, yeah both of those guys they uh, I, I get at the end of the day that they even they don't believe their own shit but you know wes anderson when you see it and that's the mark you know it's like a scorsese you know what you're seeing and you know what you're getting. Yeah, see, well, it's the same thing with Nolan. Yeah, it's all about context because, uh, you know, it makes a lot more sense if you can watch Wes Anderson's movies start to finish from 1997 or whatever through to 2015. And you get uh, the rise of all these weird, quirky things, his montages, his music. And it culminates with Grand Budapest Hotel last year. And I thought it was horrible i did not like it whatsoever because i thought it really was so far up his own ass yeah i think moonrise kingdom is the best thing he's done and then grand Budapest hotel just went too far with the quirk too far with the style I, and not I enough to take on you out to the woodshed boy. i know i know i'm the only person i know that doesn't like it and i've seen it since it's the most bizarre form of uh stockholm syndrome where i keep watching it wanting to find something in it to like but either way this is exactly how i feel about true detective season two it's got all of the stuff that season one had that if I go back and watch, I'm scared I'll find there and not like. But uh, season two just doesn't oh, have you, the depth. You're 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 gonna find some of that there. Uh, f- uh, find some of the inconsistency. Find some of the um the disjointed nature of the uh, the plot and going down rat holes for no reason. I mean, you can introduce people uh, briefly early on who turn out to be big players later on. That's fine, but you don't you don't make the separation that wide. Um, and ah, Jesus, there's so many. And this guy is like you know he he's written novels before. He's he's taught storytelling, and there's just a lot of storytelling. Um, uh, Jack Assery uh, in season two here, and uh, that's what I'm sad about. I'm sure he diagrammed it out perfectly so that if you look at it with a, uh, you know, go through it with a fine tooth comb, it's pretty perfect on paper, but it was not executed well in that sense. Well, yeah, but yeah, a good plot is one that people can understand. And this is not a good plot. 
That's true. But, you know, that said, the fact that, you know, if we spent, you know, three hours each week on this podcast trying to dissect everything, maybe we would get a, the same grip on it that Pizzolatto has in his in his own head. But that's the thing. He's so far in his own head. And I'm sure with the right, maybe uh, a few more rewrites or some better, uh, better direction. I thought the direction was good, but maybe with slightly different direction, he could have gotten more from his head onto the screen where we could have seen it and enjoyed it. Because I have a hard time believing this is the same person who wrote season one. Well, I uh, I think maybe his director in season one, Carrie, um, was perhaps more of a collaborator and maybe had the stones to tell him he was full of shit. So, and, you know, this is the same, this was the same problem. You know, I did a Star Wars uh, podcast on a, another network um, a few weeks ago, and, you know, th- that was the problem with the... Star Wars films that shall not be named, the prequels, that, you know, nobody was around to tell George uh, that... Hey, hey, this is not a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, this this doesn't make any damn sense. A trade dispute? What the fuck, man? (laughs) Um, So... uh, It would have been better if Jar Jar Binks ended up face down in the pool, but mm, that's just me. uh, So uh, maybe that's what happened here. And maybe... Maybe if... If Pizzolatto is good, he'll find a person to be that that foil for himself. Well, you know, you brought up a good, you know, when you brought just brought up trade disputes, you know, that led me down this path just now. You know, the whole premise for a lot of these things going on was kind of a, a vague notion of land and trains. And this isn't something that we, the most people identify with, you know land acquisition and you know creating train tracks uh actually if you're californian it's kind of on your mind the last couple of years so uh, uh i d- i didn't find that one to be such a stretch the problem was is this was a simple murder mystery where all that shit got piled on top of it to no good reason i mean if they were uh this was a, a couple of pissed off, fucked up kids who one of them, you know, went out and killed his dad. I hope you guys picked up on that, by the way, that those that Casper was uh, their father. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> so, uh, you know, this edible thing there and they could have made really interesting characters there instead of they just poured on all this other shit and all these, you know deep characters uh that you know it it really didn't matter that much so it uh, it was just uh, basically at the end of the day this was a murder that was made to look like a diamond heist which then 12 14 years later turns into this great debacle of power and uh misery couldn't have said better myself yeah Ugh, so. I feel like a lot of the stuff that they piled on in terms of like the trains and the gang stuff and uh, the diamond heist, maybe not the diamond heist, but a lot of the weird stuff we were talking about is added on there to um, to give this plot clout. 
because I feel like, like I said, he's trying to distance himself from the old detective stories and that this is the gritty Batman Begins reboot version of it, where he gets the same kind of core concepts and uh, premises and ideas and all of that, brings it into 2015 and makes it into something that is at least palatable for HBO, because HBO has that clout. Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson had that clout. And it all worked and it all came together. And this season, he tried to add more stuff to add that clout back into this new plot he came up with. And I feel like it ended up cluttering and convoluting it to an extent that last season didn't have. Yeah. Here's the thing is, you know, to sort of summarize, the, uh, there was a guy on, I think, Fox the other day, um, Todd Vanderwerf or Worf, or uh, I'm screwing up his name. You know, the problem was, is there wasn't enough story for eight episodes, but the story as it was, was way, way too overcomplicated. And, you know, and that's what makes me sad. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's sad of a different kind of way. Like, uh, I don't know how, how many seasons of the X-Files you suffered through. Uh, I mean, the actual first four seasons were pretty damn good, and they kept getting uh, essentially better. Well, the third was better than the fourth, but the fourth is still pretty good. But after that, it was like, what the fuck, man? You know, I thought we were in this with Mulder, you know, finding out what happened to his sister, and, you know, it just went batshit crazy there. But I digress. Uh, uh, much like Chris Carter did. Um. Did you just hear that, by the way? What? There's a huge thunder in, in like, outside my house, and, like, I was, like, I, I heard it in my microphone. Ooh, I didn't hear that, no. Are we going to hear the strike any moment, Phil? Uh, it could happen. It's real close. <laughs> well, it's great. It's great. You know, uh, coming to, uh, when you come to California here shortly, you won't, you won't get thunder anymore because we don't have any damn rain. Just everything will be burning down and I'll bring it with me. And then the earthquakes. I'll bring it with me. So, by the way, as an aside here, this has nothing to do with True Detective. So, I'm talking, (laughs) I'm up at my uh, cabin uh, this weekend and I'm talking to Phil on uh, messages and whatever. And I (laughs) was bitching about the fact that I didn't know if I could see the show because we'd lost power uh, up there in the the Thule's that day. And uh, Phil said, oh, uh, was it the earthquake? And I was like, what earthquake? <laughs> yeah, they had, they had <laughs> this, well, there was, there that was, was this big 3.3 earthquake in San Francisco. <laughs> Turns out, like, hey. Shit, man, I don't even wake up for 3.3. Yeah. I, 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 barely, I barely roll over for a 4.0 earthquake. This is California, son. You remember a few years ago there was a earthquake that started in D.C. or something? And then yes, I felt it. I, I got that. a little bit of I was in a restaurant with my dad. We were in Chili's or something, and we both looked behind us in the booth like that we were each sitting in front of because we thought there was a little kid bouncing up and down in the booth behind us. And that's when we realized, oh, shit, that's an earthquake. We looked over at the bar. We saw the glasses jingle, and we were freaking out. And I'm sure Don is like laughing his ass off right now because you wouldn't even get out of bed for that. Loma Prieta, you sissies. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's not even a big quake compared to other things that happen in the Pacific Rim, like Pacific Rim, the oh, movie with all the Jaegers. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Hey, that movie's, there you go. That movie, that movie's nothing but smile time for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, my, my wife surprised me by really liking that movie. Oh. I did not expect that. Uh, how can you not? It just, it just, it just, it just makes me smile. Oh, I, I always get a kick out of it. It's a completely pointless, uh, much like a True Detective second season, but it's actually, uh, in the end, enjoyable. Of course it is, but that's what, that's exactly what it is. It's something light, fun, has a massive budget, and total popcorn flick. It's great. It does everything it's set out to do. I don't know. Mm. Unlike True Detective season two. Ayo. Yeah. So, so we about done yeah, beating I think this so. dead horse. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, I do want to bring up one more thing. Maybe if you guys want to veto this, that's fine. We just cut the section out. Uh, sexuality and uh, all of that stuff, because they really hammered home on that. And I don't feel like that came to fruition at all. Do you guys want to talk about that? Or? You know, I I almost don't. But I was I was a little upset at what's his face, and he's like, oh, that guy, that fag. What do you care about him? I know that. <clears throat> Not cool. Not cool. Uh, but, you know, the abuse of dad, uh, the, um, what I didn't like about was the, uh, was minimizing, uh, Bezzarides. I mean, sure, she comes to raise rescue in the, uh, uh, in the airport or, uh, bus port or wherever the hell it was. Yeah, yeah, the train station. Uh, the train station. Um, uh, but it's, you know, it's treating all the women as precious. I thought she, yeah, I thought she was going to jump off the boat. I was convinced that she was going to jump off the boat. So I, I thought, thought that, that might happen too when I'm sitting there watching there, and I was like, "Well, that would make." And I was thinking to myself, "Then again, that would make perfect sense for this season." Is this the show? <laughs> so, but I, I, I thought, thought the uh, the treatment of. Uh, you know, because they got a lot of crap for it in the first season, the treatment of women. And oh, yeah. I don't really see, you know, a huge night and day improvement here. So, uh, yeah, my my wife is not really thrilled about that either. Yeah, no, I remember watching this with my girlfriend. Uh, she's she's been in Boston and gave up on the show uh, a few episodes ago. But I remember her uh, saying a lot about, especially um, Frank's wife, who started as the annoying wife who uh, was nagging and nagging and nagging Frank to have a baby. And then her flip in the middle of the season is that, oh, by the way, I'm, um, I can't have children. I'm infertile. So now she's the annoying, manipulative wife who's trying to emotionally manipulate Frank. None of those are okay. And the the flip from one to the other alone would not be okay. Both of them compounded is just not okay. I thought her character was awful. And again, they spend so much time this episode on their relationship. I do not care about their relationship. The last thing that Frank sees before he dies is his wife hallucinating um, in that like, really... I. I a little heartbreaking in that that's how they met i guess or how uh they wanted to play act this little thing in um uh in mexico whenever they meet up again and uh and that was a little heartbreaking and sweet but again i don't care i just do not care and they are hammering it down their throats like we're supposed to care or they think that the actors are good enough or the script is good i i I don't know i just don't know so i do not care about them i'm really upset they focused on her and i'm really upset that they made her character as horrible as it was and they wrote as horrible as they did and they got a great actress to to do some of that crappy stuff Uh, all of them great 
uh, actors and actresses. Yeah, really. I didn't think I didn't think a lot of it was phoned in. I think they honestly thought, you know, they did a good job. And I think, you know, on average, I think they did. But it was just like the sum didn't or the parts didn't didn't necessarily make the sum. Yeah. What's the phrase? The um, uh, something less than the sum of its parts or something. I don't know. But you're right. No, no. The phrase is it sucked. <laughs> and with that sorry, sorry I'm just yeah i'm a lot more negative now to it for everybody who's disappointed that uh you know that i'm the downer this time i apologize for that but believe me i've been the downer this entire time it's refreshing to have another friend in this corner hey how's it going <laughs> thanks for hanging out here in this corner with me you know and we i have tried cookies. to i have tried to remain as as positive and and hopeful every time and it's one of those things where am i ever going to watch it again the answer is no For sure no never oh this season yeah no, no, i will no. never watch this no. this season again i, probably, I can't I, probably not I'll watch the first season again, uh, certainly. But uh, oh yeah, I've, I think I've seen it three times. <laughs> so Phil, haven't uh, you seen Inside Out? Uh, all of the emotions are really important to coping and dealing with emotions. You need sadness, like me and Don here. <laughs> it so, just becomes but, anger. But you guys, you guys are going to watch season three, right? If there Absolutely. Is a season. Yes, yeah. we Definitely. know there is. We know there is. We're in. Yeah, I guess you'd call us an optimist. Huh? That's right. Inside. I guess the light's winning. Yeah, I guess the light's winning. All right, so somebody take <laughs> us out here. Phil, go ahead. Well, the light is winning in this time of darkness. And three lights say we can carry on and see what happens in season three, even though this was not probably the best of seasons and it has resulted in a lot of negative waves. We did our due diligence. We looked at the evidence. We marked it. It's packed away. Case closed. Gentlemen. Top men. There we go. Yep. All right. Good night. Good night. Good night. Until next year. Yeah. That's right. I live it full. I live it wide. Through layers of time. Divide.